Welcome to the show, folks. This is Wrestling Changed My Life. Here we go. I always wanted to be the hated guy. I think it went a little too far sometimes, if you've ever listened in our heyday down at Assembly Hall. but We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time, I spent wrestling. If it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. You're listening to Wrestling Changed My Life. My guest today is Coach Boo, Mike Bukowski, creator of the Montini Wrestling Dynasty. He led Montini to 18 titles and created that program from the ground up. I mean, they had never even been down to state before he took over. Now they're one of the best teams in the country. Really enjoyed this conversation. I hope you do, and I know you will as well, folks. Fan of the week goes to one of our SoundCloud listeners, Ryan.Lee.Miller. This individual has listened to this show a tremendous number of times over the past year, and we cannot thank you enough. If you want to support the show, I just launched a new t-shirt today. It says Saturdays are for the duels. You can buy it at our online store. Store.WrestlingChangeMyLife.com is the URL. Check it out. Store.WrestlingChangeMyLife.com. That's it, ladies and gentlemen. Let's get to the interview with Coach Boo. Coach Boo, welcome to the podcast, sir. Thank you for having me. It's my uh, my pleasure to be here. You are one of the one of the legends in Illinois wrestling, sir, and I I'm equally as humbled to to have you on the show. Let's start at the beginning. So, when you were graduating North Central, did you have any idea you would one day coach a wrestling team? Well, actually, uh, my, my wrestling career at North Central College got cut uh, a little short. I competed for two years and uh, had an injury situation and um, I, nothing major catastrophic, but uh, it knocked me out of competition. And I actually came back to Montini. My younger brother was here at the time, and um, we had a head, uh, head coach, Jim Izzo, who is a, a IWCOA Hall of Famer. And uh, Jim coached me and Jim asked me to help out. Uh, he had an assistant coach who was our head football coach at the time who had no wrestling background. So um, I kind of got thrown into the fire coaching wrestling, starting really uh, my uh, end of my sophomore year, junior year in college. And uh, I came back on weekends and during the wrestling season to help out as much as I could. And I loved it. And, um, you know, have been coaching here at Montini. This, uh, this is my 36th year of coaching either football, wrestling, or believe it or not, uh, girls softball here at Montini. <laughs> so I've been, I've been coaching a little bit of everything for 36 years. And during that tenure, 
I think like 27 of those years you worked with coach is it Andriano? Yeah. 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 He was, uh, he was a, a big mentor of mine. Um, I played football for him here. And then uh, in college, I pursued my wrestling career and, but he was still a big, uh, big part of my, my philosophy, my coaching philosophy. And um, when I came back to help him, he was the frost soft uh, head coach at the time, you know, mo- most coaching staffs at that time only had two coaches, believe it or not, back wow. in the, uh, you know, mid uh, to late eighties. So he was the assistant. And, and so he basically told me, Hey, listen, he goes, I don't really know much about this wrestling. I love it. I see how it you know, helps our football guys. Why don't you run the practices? Why don't you do all this? And, you know, I kind of said, Hey, sure. You know, so um, I really had a great, uh, you know, a great mentor in him. And he just, you know, really gave me a lot of tips about being professional and, uh, of course, the head coach at the time, like I said, Jim Izzo was awesome too. And um, my career was started. So I, I just loved it. Man, the, the mentors you were bumping elbows with, pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's a big part of, of uh, why I have a lot of the feelings or I think a lot of the uh, responsibility issues that I feel today to young men is because I was, I was so uh, you know heavily influenced. My wrestling career actually started in junior high, um, I had a man, but another IWCOA Hall of Famer and <laughs> Joe Peterson, who you might know, um, um, was the uh, manager of the state tournament for many years. He took okay. over after Tom Flanagan retired and Joe Peterson was the uh, was in charge of running the state tournament uh, down at uh, Assembly Hall or what used to be Assembly Hall. Now is the State Farm Center. Um, but uh, Joe uh, coached me at Eisenhower Junior High. I started wrestling in sixth grade. And I can tell you, I wasn't very good. And uh, Joe Peterson was awesome and, uh, you know, took the time to give me the right amount of, of uh, encouragement. Yet at the same time, um, I learned some tough lessons in those first couple of years that I better get my butt in shape and better start getting better. And uh, he was just a, an awesome mentor myself uh, for me, uh, you know, as well. So, yes, I, I was very blessed to have uh, really those three guys um, as well as some other great coaches, but those three guys were really some mentors that I had that really helped shape my, uh, my coaching career and really my, my personal life. I, I mean, I can't even imagine, especially all those years you've, you've been at one school, which is so rare. Um, and so one of the things I want to ask you was all these coaches are hall of famers, but what was, what was the state of the Montini wrestling program when you first took over at 94? Had they won a state title? Had they ever been downstate? No, at that time, um, in 1994, when I took over, Montini had been in existence for 30 years, and we had won one regional title. Uh, that was that was the extent of anything that we had won. And, um, you know, G- Jim Izzo was, uh, again, a great, great guy. And um, I give him so much credit because I know that um, during the mid-80s, um, right before I came to help him in the early 80s, I should say, um, and, and even after that, when I was his assistant um, in the late 80s and 90s, the, Montini went through an enrollment decline, and I know there was some whispers of possibly cutting the wrestling program, and Jim, um, you know, forever will go down as, as you know, really a, just an absolute stalwart of the Montini wrestling program because he saved the program, you know, and, wow. uh, you know, for years, um, you know, he, he did yeoman's work. And, uh, so I don't think his value was ever measured in, in state titles or wins or losses, but it was just measured as the kind of young men, um, you know, that he influenced and myself being one of them. So Jim will forever go down and, and, you know, as a hero of mine because of that. And so, um, you know, as, as I took over, basically, 
um, I just wanted to take it to the next level, you know, and, and I had no blueprint, um, you know, as, as I wrestled in high school, um, you know, I, I, I consider myself and I, I use this word loosely. I was a slightly better than average high school wrestler. <laughs> um, I emphasize the word slightly. Uh, I was a two-time conference champion. I was very proud of that. Uh, I was a team captain and, um, you know, had a nice record and everything, but I certainly was nowhere near elite. And I, and I really think probably the biggest attribute that I, I, that helped me in becoming a coach um, was the fact that I really had no talent and I really had to work for every, you know, little morsel of success that I got. And I think it really, you know, helped me to understand a lot more of the, you know, the, the, the nuts and bolts of, of, of a sport like wrestling and really gave me, uh, you know, an appreciation for being humble and doing things the right way. So that was really instrumental in, in, in me getting into my coaching career. And you said once you took over, you wanted to take the program to the next level. Did you have any specific goals in mind? Well, believe it or not, I, I um, you know, I used to be, uh, again, I, I, I looked at certain things when I took over the program, um, the hot, we were a class A school, okay, back then, back when it was in the two class system. And the teams around us that had the most success, uh, first of all, there was Sandwich High School mm-hmm. and Lon Garish was a legendary coach there. And, um, you know, I looked at Lon and, and, and looked at his program and really wanted to emulate a lot what he did. There was a, a coach up at Harvard High School named Tim Hack, who uh, is another guy that was a huge influence on me. And I just watched him get so much out of, you know, average wrestlers and kids that weren't that talented. And I hope I didn't just insult the whole time. <laughs> but uh, he just was a, a, a tremendous, you know, I just really was, uh, uh, you know, a great guy and a guy named Joe Cliff who um, coached at Plano high school and Joe was another guy who just loved wrestling. Those three guys were, you know, to me, that was the, the, the those guys that I wanted to be in. And uh, a guy, a lot more local was a guy out of Lyle high school. One of the famous Rudiger brothers, the Rudy brothers from uh, Notre Dame fame, John Rudiger, who was another guy that we bumped head with, uh, heads with all the time. And, and really when I took the program over, I, 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 I used to have a, a green notebook. I still have it. Um, it was a spiral notebook and I used to go to meets and I used to just pick everyone's brain and I just wrote down things. I have things that are just, you know, that were unbelievable, you know, things that I witnessed about certain things with technique, certain things with how they treated, you know, their wrestlers and warmups and, and everything like that. And I was just kind of consumed with that. And, um, so I wrote in that book, when I got the head job, I actually wow. said, I wanted to win a state title in five years. And I don't know why I wrote that to this day, because I had no, no, no idea how that was going to happen. And it took us six years to win a title. So I, I feel that, uh, you know, I was just about on schedule with that. And, and uh, but it was just really, a, a, you know, again, I've always learned things from other people, other coaches. It's been a huge part of my, my career. I have to go back to the great notebook. Do you remember anything particular that uh, you wrote down that was you know, extra meaningful for you over the years? Well, I think, you know, a lot of it was um, when I watched those other coaches, you know, and especially Tim Hack uh, up at Harvard. Now, Tim was also the football coach up there. And so, you know, I was a football coach here. And so, you know, a lot of times we would end up scouting teams for the playoffs and things. So I would go up and watch Tim's team once or twice a year play. And I would see, again, same things that I saw this, 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 you know, these kids were just tough, hard nosed kids. And one of the things I joke around with Tim about is, um, you know, as, as, as we got older 
at that old Plano sectional, I mean, when, when Montini, when, when I was an assistant coach, we were kind of in the middle of the pack, you know, and we didn't have much team success. And I just, I, I constantly studied them and, and really him as, as a, as a, as a guy that really brought the most out of the team. And I noticed that nobody liked him. And I used to tease him about this. The, the, the whole, anytime a Harvard kid won a close match, people would boo and all that. And, and a strange thing, Ryan, I don't know. I just love that. You know, yeah. I thought like this, this guy's so good, you know, that people, and, and I, I joke around to Tim, I go, you know, fortunately at Montini, we've had a few success and I always wanted to be the hated guy. I think it went a little too far sometimes if you've ever <laughs> listened in our heyday down at assembly hall, but uh, you know, that was the way it was. And I, and I joke around about that all the time with Tim and, and I just, I just, I studied him and, and Joe and, and Johnny Rudiger and Lon. And I just, uh, you know, really they, so things I wrote were, um, you know, about reactions they had, how they dealt with referees, you know, my feelings, I talked with them about, pick their brain about practice uh, uh, ideas, about technique. I'd always, you know, look at certain things and scout certain teams and then, um, you know, realize why those teams were successful and what they were doing. So it was just, a, and it was everything from, you know, one of the things that drove me crazy is, you know, we never, when we started, when I started at Montini, like I, I really wanted to get everybody in uniform. We always had guys kind of wearing their own warmups and stuff and like things like that meant something. I would watch those other teams and, you know, that obviously wasn't the reason they were good and they were winning, but those things go hand in hand. So I, I just really learned a lot from those guys. And it just, you know, again, every once in a while, even now, um, you know, I pull out that green notebook and kind of look at some of my younger uh you know days and and my uh my little bit uh um you know i guess you'd say innocent views on certain things and now it's, it's a little different now i get a chuckle it's incredible that um you know that the programs you're talking about you know the sandwiches of the world and we're going to get into the some of the rivalries you guys had mm -hmm, it's just mm -hmm. crazy how they grew though over the years to when you retired you know your rivalries might be you know, a national contender. I mean, yeah, just, yeah. And you said earlier, Montini was down in enrollment. I can't even imagine that now. I mean, Montini's like one of the premier programs across all sports in Chicago, wouldn't you say? Well, yeah, the wrestling program is just has, you know, taken off and, and Israel Martinez did a fantastic job and, and is, a, you know, one heck of a coach. And um, now Mike Benefield is, is, you know, one of my all time greats, obviously, that I coach and he's going to he's going to continue that legacy. And, and uh, so I feel great about that. But, um, you know, it's, it's it, anything that you do, you feel good about being part of the beginning. And I, I remember when we won our first title uh, in 2000. Um, you know, that was the, the first state title we won in our school in any sport. Wow. And uh, yeah, and it was a wrestling team. That's, that's a big source of pride for me to this day that the wrestling team always started everything <laughs> at, at Montini, you know, the wrestling roots in me. And I remember telling guys, I remember telling guys my age that I wrestled with and even guys that were older than me and, and stuff that I always wanted our kids to understand who came before them. Mm. And, and now they have these wonderful opportunities. And of course, now, you know, you look and, and we've got wonderful kids and some nationally ranked kids and, and, you know, they work very hard and we have a great schedule. We travel nationally and do all these things, but I always want them to remember that there were guys that came before them that never had quite those opportunities. And that's part of building a program, you know, it's mm -hmm. part of, part of, you know, any school, high school or college that you look at and, um, that was something that I always felt that I, I, I never 
forgot those those guys you know i never forgot those 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 you know the the guys that built the bricks that that were there for the foundation and even though they weren't around to stand up on the podium and get medals and all that kind of stuff i i hope that i always you know made it clear that they were a big part of of any success that we had well it's funny you say that because i read that when you took the job one of your mentors told you that you know a key to the program is to make the guys feel like they're part of something special and you know, make them feel like there's a higher standard of excellence here, kind of like a Bill Walsh type situation. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, how did you do that though? Like, what, what did you do special to implement that? Well, you know, the first thing that I did was, was, you know, we all, there was always a, a great amount of pride in the wrestling program. I always felt that even as a wrestler here, but we never had, you know, the, the dual team concept, you know, started, I, I believe in the early eighties, if I'm not mistaken. So it was just kind of around at the tail end of my, uh, competitive career in high school. And so when I started as an assistant wrestling coach, it, it was always like the teams that, that weren't really able to pull that all together. You know, mm-hmm. they, we, you just didn't worry about that. You just coached your guys and you wanted to get individual state qualifiers and regional, you know, champions and section and all that kind of stuff. And so what I really did was the, I, I think the number one thing I did was look at these other schools in the area and say, Hey guys, that could be us. You know, we could be Lyle High School winning regional titles every year and going downstate and getting a team trophy, um, Sandwich and Harvard, you know, and, and Plano. Those, so th- that could be us. We're not that far away. We've got talent. Um, and that was something that was, was you know, was, a, was really a conscious effort to do that. So, you know, I really promoted that team responsibility and that team unity. So, you know, little things, you know, we, we scheduled more action over Christmas break. You know, we don't, we're wrestlers. We don't take off for vacation over Christmas break. We're going <laughs> to, we're going to work and we're going to compete. And towards the end of my career, uh, you know, it probably went overboard. You know, I, I remember, you know, I, I, I sat and many times, you know, in this profession as a coach, you, you kind of sometimes question things and you look back and you say, my gosh, you know, I had the wrestling room open, you know, a couple of those years, every single day, you know, guys would call me on Christmas day, coach, I need to come in and get a workout. Okay. I'll meet you there tonight. Be there at three o'clock for work or whatever, you know, and, and it you know, got to the point where you look back and then now and you say, Oh boy, geez, did I really do that? You know, I mean, and, 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 you know, that's what it takes to be, to be successful. And I think that's what, you know, I, I was, I was able to foster that with those kids. And I think, again, it, it came from my, you know, humble roots of, you know, nothing ever came easy to me. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's what, that's what really promoted that. I love that it was a, a workman like climb too, because you, you made it downstate in 95, then you battled sandwich like two or three years in a row. And then oh, yeah. finally, I mean, finally got your first title. I mean, what do you remember those early battles with sandwich though, before you were battling the, the Carl Sandbergs of the world? Well, you know what, it, it's, it's what everybody, you know, it, when we would go to the sectional and we would listen and, and, you know, there was always Plano sectional, my gosh, those were, that was the <laughs> premier time back then, Joe Cliff, you know, when he was the head coach there and just, it seemed like it was just, I mean, more people, you talk about class A wrestling fans. I mean, you know, this, uh, it, it's still, die me, hard. They still, oh, they are, they're just unbelievable. So you'd go to Plano and that place would be packed, you know, and it was, it was an experience. And those were still really, to be honest with you, some of my favorite 
you know, memories of coaching was being in that, just that gym where there was, a, and then, you know, not only Montini was there, but you know, the rivalry between sandwich and Plano, these kids are, you know, they grow up five miles from each other, their whole lives. And they're, you know, they're ready to kill each other, you know, on the mat. And then they get up and shake hands and there's this respect with all them. And then you throw in Wilmington, you know, once Robbie Murphy got things rolling down there, they were a huge part of that I ate success. So, um, it just was, it was a great atmosphere. You know, it really was. And it was, I, to me, it was like a hotbed of wrestling. It's something that I think is, is like a lot of schools. And I, and I just started again, wanted to always tell our kids how fortunate we were to be able to compete with those schools and, 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 and to do that and to reach for them and have, you know, goals and, and things that we wanted to reach for. That was always just a huge part of it. And I, I don't know, you know, I, I, I couldn't tell you, like there were certain big, marks along my career where when we got that when we did this boy that was a big thing mm-hmm. when, we, when we did this that really helped us or did but it was just overall like you said it was a steady climb it was just getting better every day every year every month whatever we could and that's really what you know what what, what it became to me it was and you know really helped me that when I was at Montini we made the football playoffs for the first time in 1981 is the first thing that we ever won at the school and I always had this chip on my shoulder, you know, about Montini. So it's always been a personal thing to me. Montini is always, you know, whatever sport it is, I don't care. You know, it, it always, we had that as, as that group of guys that age, you know, we got made fun of by our friends in, in the local public schools because we didn't win anything and this and that. So when we started to do that, it always probably a little bit unhealthily <laughs> became <laughs> a focus of mine. And, and it, it really is a personal thing about the school. Well, you're talking about stories that are getting me excited, just the competitiveness <laughs> in Illinois wrestling and oh, knowing yeah. that, oh, yeah. I mean, in 94, 95, if you would have told Providence or Mount Carmel that Montini would be battling you guys, they would have said, who the hell is that? You know, it wasn't yeah. even a, a thing. No um, doubt about it. And so let's fast forward to 07. I wouldn't be doing us justice if we didn't talk about one of the greatest, you know, state dual finals, I think maybe of all time. 2007. You guys won the clash, but Carl Samber got second. Did you wrestle there? What happened there? Could not figure well, that out. You know, yeah, we we actually the the way the clash is set up is you, you get into your bracket. So we won our bracket, they won. So you get to the final four teams in the winner's bracket and you're gonna place one through four. So we had beaten um before them, I think we had beaten um my gosh, it might have been Apple Valley, Jack Jackson, uh Jackson, um New Jersey, Memorial. wasn't it? Yeah, 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 out of New Jersey, and then another. It might have been Apple Valley uh, uh, out of out of Minnesota, and I think we beat those two teams. And then by virtue of the scores and everything, we had clinched the title. Sandberg had lost to those two teams, okay, in the round robin. So then the last round robin was we were going to wrestle Sandberg, and even if we lost that duel, we still had, we would tie three way with the other, and we beat the other two schools. So we knew we had clinched it. But that really had nothing to do with it. What the, the, the funny, unique thing about Sandberg was we beat him in the clash because we beat the other two teams. We beat him by a point in the Dvorak that year, which again mm. is a tournament setting. But in a duel, they were an extremely tough matchup for us. And, and, and I'm telling you right now, we wrestled in that duel and we just couldn't find a way to get that extra win. And I still, you know, kind of laugh about it today. I mean, they were just a better duel team than us that year, if we wrestled them 10 times, they'd probably beat us eight or nine out of 10 times in a duel. Yeah. But in a tournament, other things happen. You know how that goes. So, so you they beat them by us. a point at Dvorak. Yeah. We beat them by a point oh in the Dvorak and then, and then we beat them in, uh, and then we won the clash, but we lost to them. Now we rested one or two of our guys, 
um, that were hurt. We had one kid get injured. Um, guy, you know, Danny Stelter was injured yeah. in that match. And so we rested a couple of those guys, but it didn't matter. You know, I don't like to use that as an excuse. We, we knew that was the worst matchup for us. And so, and they were looming, um, you know, that still to this day was our highest ranked, uh, national finish, you know, under when, when, as, as I coached, uh, I should say, I think, uh, I think that year we ended up fifth in the country and Sandberg finished fourth in the country and they won the state title and we finished second. And I think, I believe our, our young men, uh, two years, I think the last two years we finished fourth. So that's the highest ranking, but we, you know, we've had a couple of top five finishes, but we just couldn't, and they won three straight state titles and they were a fantastic team, well-coached and, tough as nails, you know, and those kids were great kids. So we, you know, again, I, I look back at that and people always say, Oh, you know, how do you feel? That was, you know, arguably your best team and you didn't win. Did you choke and choke? And say, so guys, I, I, I'm going to tell you, it just was such a tough matchup with our guys. We had a young, um, two guys down low and they, they, no matter what we did to bump or try to eat, we could, you know, Morrison was an absolute beast oh my down God. there. So, you know, we had a kid named Colton Rashi, um, you know, gosh, I can't even remember if it was 106 or 103 that year. That was <laughs> so still 103. Okay, so it was 103. We had a really good 103 pounder. Colton ended up being a state champion for us. He wrestled at the Naval Academy, but he was young. And Morrison, I mean, we went out there and we just hope we didn't get majored. You know, we were hanging on. And if we tried to, you know, bump Colton, they had a really big physical 112 pounder a kid by the name of Guerrero, I think. And he just, Colton would not have matched up. So we could not get a win you know, at the first two weights, no matter what we did, you know, and, and that was a tough thing. And then the other thing that we had that year, our heavyweight that year was Garrett Goble and Garrett Goble could pin 99.9% of the kids in the state of Illinois, but he couldn't pin this kid, their heavyweight named Retsky finished third in the state that year. And this kid had one of those bodies that was a rubber arm. He just, you couldn't wing him. He could, he slipped out of everything. He was a tough kid and we couldn't get those extra bonus points. And and so those things, we, we couldn't get around those things and they really were the doom, you know, and that's really what happened. So when you guys actually met at the team state, did it come down to like a last match or was the way it was set up? It was out of hand. Early? No, they, 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 uh, you know, the, the, the big thing they did was, um, we had earlier in, in the week, we had, this was before a lot of weigh-in rules and, uh, um, replied to the duel. We got everybody down a weight class because, you know, people forget, you know, Columbard North was an mm. unbelievably good team that year. And we did everything we could to beat them here at Montini in, in the sectional final. And so we had got our guys down a weight because we needed to find an extra win against them. And um, they were a fantastic team at that time. So we had everything we could do. So we had our guys down a weight. And so, uh, you know, we were able to move some guys around. They won a coin flip and they got, a, they, they, by winning the coin flip, they got away from Mike Benefield you know, they bumped up Preto and, and went up and they won that match. We, if we knew if we lost that coin flip, they were going to get away from Mikey. And, you know, that's the way duels come down to, you know, sometimes, you know, that, so it's all about matchups. So, yeah. I mean, for people who aren't from Illinois and there's a lot of folks listening who aren't, you know, Carl Sandberg, what are they like 35 miles South of you guys? Yeah. Yeah. Southwest suburbs. Yep. Just a absolute hammer of a program coached by one of the greats, Mike Poles and Eric Siebert. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 But. Yeah, both, but and so you know now one of Mike's sons is is the head coach there. Uh, uh, not the one, uh, I think Clinton. Um, was, yeah, Clinton is the head coach, I believe. There, Clinton polls. Conrad's the one that wrestled at U of I. Yeah, and uh, and Clinton, I think, his older brother. He's the coach there, and they're just they they were they were just a tremendous program, and and uh, you know Mike's had success uh, wherever he was. He was at Providence. He was part of that big run there, 
And, um, you know, so he was, it was just, you know, it was great, great competition. And, uh, but you're, you're right. We won, we actually won the Cheesehead tournament that year. We won the Dvorak that year. We won the Clash that year. And we finished fourth in the Ironman that year. And we didn't win a state title. So oh it shows you, which shows you how good Illinois wrestling is, you know? And, and so, um, you know, and, and I tell you what, you know, winning the Dvorak, that was a great story. Uh, our heavyweight, um, Garrett Goble beat a kid from Mount Carmel named Christian Brantley yeah. in the finals in, you know, the overtime rideout. Okay. And that put us <laughs> one point ahead. That's the only, that's how we had to win the Dvorak. It came down to us in, uh, in, in, uh, you know, Sandberg, the last match of the whole tournament. And then Brantley ended up getting to, you know, get away from Goldman. He wanted to prepare for college. He went down and, uh, cut down to 220 uh, at the time. So didn't wrestle heavyweight for the state series. I was looking at some of the stats. I didn't realize Goldbull has the most wins ever. I mean, that guy was just yeah. incredible. Yeah, he was. A, he had 201 career wins. Mike Benefield was right there with 200. Mike, Mike had a, uh, uh, broke his hand his sophomore year and missed the Ironman. Uh, no, his junior year. I'm sorry. He's, his sophomore year, he won the Ironman and um, missed the, uh, the Ironman and then missed uh, probably about eight, eight, eight to ten matches that he would have. I, I think, obviously, he would have been. Uh, so him and him and, and Garrett, every once in a while, they have a little bit of a, you know, they have a, a little bit of a, a contest about that. But yeah, Garrett was, Garrett was an unbelievable heavyweight because he could wrestle on top. He was so good on top. And his younger brother Grant won a state title for us at 189 pounds, actually at 215, I should say, excuse me. And um, again, just fantastic, just hammers on top, just mm. total hammers, and they could turn almost anybody, and 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 they did. So let's, we've talked about one year greats in Goebel. We got to talk about Mike Benefield. He was the same grade as me. And from fifth grade on, he won everything there was. And you yeah. talk about winning the Ironman as a sophomore. That's ridiculous. He was so good. What, what do you remember from his dominance? Well, Mike, Mike was, you know, obviously a very talented young man, but, but Mike was a worker. You know, that's, that was one of the fun things about coaching Mike Benefield. I mean, he, he worked his butt off, you know, that kid, he was one of those kids. He, he'd leave the wrestling room and, you know, he was going to get another workout in either at night or in the morning. Um, you know, and, and he was one of the guys, he did a lot of wrestling down at the wildcat wrestling club, you know, when that was in existence down there with uh, at Northwestern and with uh, Jake Herbert, you know, down there. And, uh, you know, Mike was just, uh, you know, a beast that way. So when you have that talent and you have, you know, that drive, which he did, uh, it makes you a very special young man. And he really was. And he was just um, a guy that I think his career record offhand, I think was 200 wins and four losses, you know, and he never, uh, he lost, I think three matches his freshman year. Uh, actually, no, he lost two his freshman year and two his, uh, his uh, sophomore year and really a, a unbelievable story about his sophomore year is um, we were at the Dvorak tournament and Mike lost in the winners, Brad lost in the quarterfinal, I believe to a kid named Tharp out of Morton high school. Okay. okay. And he was a state place winner, I think later year and huge upset. Well, the same tournament in the same bracket, Albert White from St. Rita, who <laughs> obviously became a four timer, yes. got upset. So Mike Benefield beat Albert White five to one in the third place match at the Dvorak tournament that year. You know, Ridiculous. everybody would just, yeah, it was just unbelievable. So, and, uh, you know, Mikey, he just was spe such a special guy and he lost that, that uh, tournament and he had a, a health issue. I can't remember what it was. It wasn't a hundred percent. And, you know, he was supposed to wrestle Albert and, and I started talking to Mike and, and I was always a big one about, Hey, you gotta be smart about 
he would have no part of it. Coach, I'm wrestling this match because I need to wrestle this match. I got to beat that kid to go home satisfied. I lost here. You know, I can't winning third place or defaulting third place isn't going to let me sleep tonight. You know, I got to beat, you know, who I think is what <laughs> maybe the other best kid in the whole tournament. So he did, you know, that's how Mikey was. So that wasn't even a thought in his mind defaulting out. No, 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 no. You know, to me, I'm trying to be a coach and trying to be an adult and say, Hey, listen, you're not hundred percent. Let's not, let's not make a mistake here and, and, you know, get hurt worse or whatever. He, he, he didn't think that way. You know, my, <laughs> uh, you know that was, that was shot down real quick. <laughs> you talk about, I forgot about that Albert white match. Um, mm -hmm. My God, how, how tough was he? Yeah. Um, but what about the Blanton match? I'm actually interviewing Blanton later tonight. Can you remember a bigger hype for a finals match than that one? No. And I'm going to tell you something. Um, you know, I've been very fortunate in my career. Um, I've coached in, uh, uh, you know, tons of state championship events. I think 19 or 20 games, uh, matches or, um, you know, or, or whatever. And yeah. um, I don't think I've ever been as nervous as I was uh, leading up to that. Now, you know, Richmond Burton was just coming on. Jordan was a fantastic wrestler. And there was, I was getting letters in the mail once a week, twice a week from somebody up there just with newspaper articles about Jordan Blanton. Jordan Blanton's unscored on. Jordan Blanton this, Jordan Blanton. So it was like, I was getting these every week, you know, and they were coming to school and I'm reading these and I'm reading these and I'm, I'm following him. And I, you know, here he is, he wins another tournament and nobody scored on him and he did this and he did the, you know, good kids. And so, you know, we get into that, into that tournament and um, you know, obviously Mike, Mike came through and had to, had to win a tough match uh, uh, against the Sandberg kid in the quarters. I think he won three to nothing. And, um, you know, I'm thinking to myself, wow, this is just, you know, and then everywhere you go, you, I mean, you, 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 you know, you, you go to the gas station at 530 in the morning, you know, the day of weigh-in to get the weigh-in food for the guys and get bagels or whatever. And there's somebody talking about that match. Oh, coach, that's going to be a big one. I'm driving, <laughs> you know, yeah. You know, and, you, and finally you want to say, would you just shut up? I know how big <laughs> it's going to be. And I have, you know, Israel and I were sitting in the chair for that match. And when Mike hit him, um, with that fireman's right off the whistle. I was, I was literally in the chair next to Israel Martinez and we could not hear each other's voices. That is how loud it, I've never experienced sound like that in my life. The place almost blew off the roof and we were screaming at each other and we couldn't be hurt, you know, and it, and it was just unbelievable. Um, and, and by the way, I'm going to personally make a little uh, plea to everyone out there. I made a huge coaching mistake and I signed a sophomore uh, to film the finals that night. And uh, he got so excited when Mikey's match started, he left the lens cap on. Oh. So I, I do not have a video of Mike Gunnafield, you know, and I would, I hate to do this to Jordan because he's a great kid, but I'd pay him if he has a copy of that match. I'd love I'm to asking him for it tonight. Yeah, you're going to have to. So he might throw something at you. I don't know. But uh, Jordan oh, was such a, and, and I knew Jordan. I got to know him later. And what a class A. And you talk about just, you know, he had every chance in the world to avoid Mike, to go down, to go wake all these things, go up. He, and he just was such, I knew that kid was destined for greatness. And he, you know, being a multiple All-American and Illinois boy, you know, he deserved everything he got. He was just a tremendous, tremendous young man. What a hammer. And this is style. Oh, yeah. He was such in the, oh, yeah. and the next year he wrestled Spangler in the semis. Which yeah. Was, oh, was that oh, a great match? Incredible. Huh? Unbelievable. So, Unbelievable. so you were, 
I mean, going into the match, though, Benefield was the favorite, um, slight favorite, but you were that nervous, though, huh? Oh, yeah, I was. I, I, you know, you, you look at the biggest thing, the biggest thing as a coach, and I've always felt this way, is, you know, you have expectations, um, you know, you have things that you're, you're supposed to do. You know, my, 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 my joke about Mike Benefield is, hey, just get out of his way and don't mess this up. You know, don't <laughs> mess this kid up. And the same thing with the BBs and the same thing with all the other great kids that I've had a chance to coach football, wrestling, whatever, you know, you, you kind of have that feeling like you have to, you have to make sure that's what you're going to be judged on. You know, you're going to be judged on and people are going to remember, you know, you always remember those matches downstate. You just mentioned one of them where, you know, somebody doesn't perform, you know, or this happens or whatever. And, you know, as coaches, as fans, we've watched those for years. You know, how many times, you know, when you see a kid that's a very talented kid and they run out of gas and can't go six minutes, you know, as a coach, you know how you feel, because guess what? You know, that's on you, you know, and those are the things that, you know, and I look, I remember and Jordan's style was really what made me very nervous because he was relentless, you know, and you know how it is down there. And they're still teenage boys. They're still 18 year olds and, and a pressure can affect. I don't care if Mike Benefield's been, you know, stone cold assassin his whole, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. This last match, everything's on him. What happens if he, you know, Dan Gable lost hell, you know, yeah. I mean, you just don't know. I mean, it always, that's what we love about this sport. And so, you know, that was, that was just a, a time when uh, Mike really, you know, and just, it was a very neat moment, um, you know, with him. And, and I'll tell you what, this is, this is, you know, I, I hate to keep going on like this, but one story leads to another, Please. but what I'll remember about Mike Benefield forever is um, the next Tuesday, we needed to wrestle Glenbard North. Okay. And Glenbard North, uh, like we said, we were searching for that one win. So Mike Benefield won the, you know, state championship that night at 171 pounds and within three hours was on a bike in the exercise room of the old chancellor hotel cutting weight. Cause he was going to weigh in for the team Tuesday night at 160 pounds. And he needed to do that. And no. that's who, and that's who Mike Benefield was. So there was no steak dinner. There was no celebration. That's what Mike Benefield meant to the team coach, you know, and, and him and I talked about it, Mike, I don't want you thinking one bit about Tuesday night until you get done wrestling. If you, if you step on the mat, at 178 pounds, because that's what you normally do every, you know, when you weigh in in the morning and you do this, I don't want one iota of that sacrificed. And we're going to see what you weigh after the match. And then we're going to figure it out, you know, and he just said, Hey coach, I'll do it. I got to do what I got to do and I'll do it. And that's what he did. And that's kind of kid he was. And so that made that night even more special for me. I can't believe Glenbard North was that tough. They were, had, they were good. They had yeah. like Jimmy Chase and Ramos. Oh, they Chase and the Ramos brothers. And they had, uh, you know, Danny Monaco. They had Gino Capizio wrestled in Indiana. Um, oh they had, uh, you know, a couple of those guys. Now the prop, the thing with Glumbard North is where we always chased them a little bit. We're always made up some hay was for whatever reason, they weren't always strong in the upper weights. They always mm -hmm. had a couple of just solid kids in the upper ways, but you know, their, their, their lineup through 160 in those years was as good as we've ever seen. I mean, it was, it was fun. It was as good as Samberg. And then, you know, Samberg would always have a couple of big hammers up top and, and be a little bit more balanced all the way through. But, you know, we, and, and, you know, once we got to the double a days, you know, that was, that was our neighborhood pal. Glenbard North is, you know, 15 minutes down the road. That's who we were chasing, you know? And, and so once we got, you know, kind of a little bit past sandwich and, Plano and Harvard and those guys, now it became Glenbard North and it became Sandberg and, you know, those schools and those, you know, those were the next ones we had to target. 
Was there a tougher division than Illinois 2A when you guys were in it those last couple of years? You know, uh, Rob Sherrill, who I have a lot of respect for and does the, you know, Illinois map man and, and um, or uh, the rankings and all that. And I don't, I can't figure out who's politically aligned with anyone now anymore. <laughs> so if I just offended right. somebody, you know, Mike's a, a great friend of mine too, Mike Bear. And the bottom line is, you know, Rob Sherrill made a comment once that said a 2A state title was one of the most coveted state titles in the entire country. And I think there was some truth to that. I really yeah. do. I, I, I mean, you look at the list of guys that have got like Steve Marinetti was a national champion, you know, beat Lincoln McElravey in the national championship and never won a state title in Illinois. Right. You know, guys like that. I mean, it just was unbelievable um, to win that title. And so that two way class, you're right. I mean, that, and that was a big point of, we, we knew in, uh, you know, 2008, when we finally broke through, we knew that, you know, the, the, the multiplier, you know, happened and bumped us up there, but we also knew that multiple classes was coming and, you know, we were on the clock. We wanted to win a title when everybody was there. So that was a big motivation after that loss in 2007. Yeah. And it, for folks who don't know, Illinois went to a three class system in 09. I withhold my opinions on it, but obviously there was nothing yeah. better than two way 24 man right. brackets, double elimination. Right. Get out right. of here. It Ooh. was, it was, it was crazy. unseated by the way. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Unseated Jeez. by the way is right. You know, you think about all those quarterfinal matches and I'm still, you know, a fan of the old, you know, I, I remember Friday night, um, in assembly hall, you know, both classes like, together. Oh, it was just on in that, in that you saw unbelievable matches in the energy in that place. On Friday. In some years, it was the, the, there was more energy Friday night than there was Saturday night, in, in my almost opinion. every just, year, or, yeah. or it seemed like that, you know, yeah. like it was just and people, you know, that would, would and even some of the people that maybe had to work a half a day or whatever, they they would fly down to Champaign, you know, gun it down there to get there for that 6 p.m you know, Friday night quarterfinal and, and boy, that was just something, you know, and, and some, and my gosh, the Joey Gilbert match, uh, you know, when he, when he wrestled the kid out of Sterling, I think his name was, um, uh, I can't remember his name. He was a, he was a, a one-timer or a two-timer um, that um, was out of Sterling high school. And that was a big uh, quarterfinal match when Joey Gilbert got taken down and then pinned him in the first period and yeah. place, place went bananas, you know, so many Ed, Ed DC when Ed DC lost in the quarterfinals that night. I mean, that was just, you know, kid from, uh, you know, Ed was one of the most decorated wrestlers, you know, yeah. in, all, in all of Illinois. And, but uh, yeah, it was crazy times Friday night. Oh my God. Nothing better. Now yeah. you talk about one of the best of all time ever come through Illinois. Israel Martinez is right up there. How did you, get in contact with him and bring him on board? Well, I, I met Israel the first time when he was in third grade. And um, <laughs> Israel as a third grader is exactly what you think Israel as a third grader would have been, you know. <laughs> and, um, you know, Israel is a kid that, um, you know, he, he's accomplished a lot in his life. And, um, you know, he, he really became a, a student of the game. And Israel will be the first one to tell you, um, you know, he's a little bit unconventional and at times in his life, Israel has been his own worst enemy. Um, but there is no one that I have ever seen or met or worked with that has a bigger passion, you know, for, for the sport of wrestling than Israel Martinez, you know, and, uh, that's what I saw in him. So, um, you know, he finished his high school career and his father actually, um, came and set up shop with the uh, Martinez elite wrestling club um, over here at Montini, you know, and that was a big game, game changer, step, you know, game changer for us, um, you know, and um, so that was a big part. So Israel was always around his father and his brother, Nate, and they were training all the time. And, um, and so I got to know this kid 
and he went on to college and, and struggled, you know, and, and went to Iowa and got in a little bit of trouble there and learned his lessons. And one of the things that I always thought was very good about Israel and, and still to this day is that he can tell a story and he can look these kids in the eye and he can, and he can tell them and he does tell them, listen, I blew it. You know, I, I was maybe the best, arguably the best wrestler to ever come out of the state of Illinois. And I didn't have a college career and I had to go through the back channels and I had to do this and do that. Um, you know, to get it right. And he did, you know, and, and I think that that was one of the reasons why I, I, I thought that it would be good to give him a chance. And so um, once he got done and um, wrestling in college, and then he went out and won a, a junior national title at, uh, I, at Idaho Junior College, mm-hmm. um, he came back to Illinois, and was working with the club. And, and so I brought him on the staff. And, you know, again, um, you know, he was a great wealth of knowledge, you know, for all of us. And, and as techniques, uh, as technician go, I don't know if there's a better one in the country. I mean, I'm sure, obviously, I don't have any more connection to college wrestlers and rooms and things like that as I used to. But, um, you know, I, I saw him as one of the best and he really, you know, helped our program, um, you know, when, when he was here. And obviously, when I stepped down, he talked to me and he I don't think he really ever had plans of doing that. You know, I don't think I don't think I thought he was destined for that either. You know, and he kind of really? came to me and said, yeah, it was never it was never a pre pre-designed thing everybody might think that but it was like kind of i thought he was going to go his own way he was big with the club then and was is he style going then yeah he had just started it you know he when when i when he came on with me i told him i said listen uh, you know we have a wrestling club here and I, this i need you to run it you know i want to give it to you you're going to run it you know the junior bronco club blah 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 and um and then he, he asked me to, if he could change the name and, you know, and start doing his own thing. I said, yeah, as long as you take care of us and you're respectable of our school and make sure Montini quote unquote gets top billing, you know, to yeah. get, you know, we're not running a wrestling club over here for fun, you know, right. to, to, to go feed all these other schools here. So, you know, I want my guys to be focused and, and those kind of things. And he did, he did a great job with that. And then he kind of obviously took it to another level with the club and all that kind of thing. So, you know, so Israel was, was a guy, um, you know, that was instrumental in our program. I mean, we had won, we had had success before he got here. I think we won five state titles before he yeah. ever started coaching us, but he was always working uh, with a lot of our kids down below and all that. So, um, you know, he just became one of those guys that, that uh, as I tell people all the time, um, love him or hate him, he has changed the face of wrestling, you know, in the state of Illinois, you know, oh. and, and there, in a lot of different ways. And that's just, that's a fact. And we love him on this show. I am, you know, a huge fan. I just love his passion and yeah, how yeah. was his excitement. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, another guy I got to ask you about that was legendary during my day, Pat McCaffrey. How? <laughs> let's talk about Pat. Like, what? I mean, what do you remember about about that phenomena that uh, came through Montini? Well, I'll tell you this. You know, and this this is great because people will, you know, being a a, a Montini guy and um, you from being from Geneseo. Um, I know, I know there's a lot of old fashioned folks in Geneseo that have a lot to say about Catholic schools <laughs> and, uh, and those kind of things. That's just, you know, there was always those kind Absolutely. of rivalries and we oh, laugh yeah. about that. So my, my, the extent of me recruiting Patrick McCaffrey, and I'm going to be 1000% honest about this. The first time I ever saw Patrick McCaffrey in person was the first day of school, his freshman year. And I went out to the track because I saw this short. And at the time he was wearing a Penn state wrestling sweatshirt. He was a little chubby. He was off season and he was running around the track and I walked out and I, and I said, 
Penn State, who, who are you? You know, and he said, well, my name is Patrick McCaffrey. And I knew that this kid had transferred in because he went out to Fargo and he wrestled for Team Pennsylvania, lived out in Pennsylvania. His father was a retired Green Beret. Okay, so I don't mind telling you, his father was uh, passionate, does not describe the word. It's it's six levels higher. Okay, in terms of the things that that, uh, you know, Patrick's father, you know, kind of made him do. And, And so Patrick was was used to having a lot of pressure on him. So I knew this kid was coming because out in Fargo, his father was such a wrestling nut. He ran into the BB family. Okay. And I had the four, you know, BBs here wrestle and they were, they were great kids and, you know, and, um, you know, just, just fantastic family. And, and yeah. actually the daughter came here too. And, uh, so while they were out at Fargo, okay. The BBs convinced Patrick McCaffrey's father to move to Glen Ellen. All right. And he was actually in the process of moving in the Chicagoland area because of a job transfer and moved to Glen Ellen, and he told them that he was thinking about going to Mount Carmel because that was the he thought that was the best program in the state of Illinois. He had, and when they mentioned Montini to him, that he never heard of Montini. He didn't right. know where Montini was or existed. I believe this was 2003, if I'm not mistaken. And so the BBs can. <laughs> convinced him to transfer. And this all happens within a week and a half. Okay. This is unbelievable. So this guy uproots, moves, gets the kid here, had two sisters that also went to school here, you know, and even years. And so he comes in as a freshman and he's obviously has a very seasoned kid, you know, and freshman or a sophomore. He was a freshman. He was okay. a freshman. He came here. Now, I, I think he was 26 years old as a freshman, to be honest <laughs> with you. I'm not really sure. Not that old, but uh, Patrick had been around a little bit. Patrick actually had an experience when he was in seventh grade. He trained in Siberia. Okay. Think about this. He trained in Siberia. He remember he tells a story. His father put him on a plane out of New York and he flew to Russia. And he told me, coach, I was in bed in a two room shack with a strange Russian man that I had never met in my life sleeping by the end of that night. And that's how my six months or three months, whatever it was in Siberia started. And, and so, yeah, he was, he was uh, quite the guy. And so Patrick was just a phenomenal, you know, he, he was a very talented kid, but Patrick didn't always look like his nickname. We called him pork chop. You know, he he was, he was (laughs) a kid. He wasn't a lean cut, you know, type of guy. He was very strong and very athletic and extremely talented, you know, but Patrick was, uh, was, and he was one of the funniest kids I ever coached. I mean, this kid really? was, uh, oh yeah, he was, uh, he was, he was really a, you know, a handful. And, uh, as you can maybe guess, having a, having an upbringing like that, Patrick looked for any type of a escape he could find every once in a while. And yeah. uh, let's, let's just leave it at that. And, and how uh, good was he though? I mean, he, he was, was, he was, well, he was a, you know, Fargo national camp. I think he won, I think he won Fargo at 98 that him and Mike Benefield were both cadet national champions, you know, wow. Mikey coming in as a freshman in him. And uh, so, uh, you know, that was an unbelievable, you know, unbelievable situation. And, and um, you know, the problem was they, when he was a sophomore, he transferred out and moved to, he lived, uh, he was homeschooled in Iowa and lived with a, a kid named TJ Seabolt. If you remember him, oh, yeah. nationally ranked kid. And he just trained yeah. and he went out to Iowa and I think he won a couple titles out there. And then he ended up at the uh, Naval Academy. Um, one year I was out at Fargo um, watching a couple guys of mine wrestle and I'm out there and it was in between, you know, rounds or whatever. And the, the, uh, 
uh, Olympic training center team came over and started drilling. And there he was, he was on a man. I ran down, I said, Patrick, coach, what are you, you know, he was out there training and, you know, in Colorado Springs. And, and uh, so they were there doing some kind of exhibition or something. So he bounced around a little bit and um, was a super smart kid. And um, you know, but he just, he kind of was destined to be one of those guys that was going to move on. But when he was here, he, he won some big matches for us. He was a pretty good wrestler, no doubt. I'll never I was a freshman at Dvorak his first year there. We were all at 103. Um, he tech followed John Starzik in the finals. And yes, John Starzik was a three-time state champ. And I was <laughs> blown. Oh, I was like, who the hell is this kid? Well, and... oh, he was unbelievable. Well, that's that's a funny story because um one of the one of the matches you mentioned before, um, Mr. Spangler. Um, when uh, his sons wrestled, uh, they were right down the street here at Nequa Valley. And, and let's just say there was a very big rivalry between the Spanglers and the BBs and a lot of the other families that ended up. So <laughs> it was very, so Patrick was wrestling and um, my, my longtime assistant, John Jeviakovsky, who for my money is the best coach, you know, in, in the state of Illinois, just a fantastic guy really helped me uh, to get to the next level with the program. And John was um, uh, Mark Spangler, helped coach both of Sp Mark Spangler's sons when they were young in the yeah. old Fox, Fox Valley wrestling club. And then later, so Mark and John kind of knew each other and they had, you know, they were getting a little bit on the, on the soft. So Mr. Spangler walked up behind us. And um, as Patrick was wrestling the match before he was going to wrestle his son, Mr. Spangler loudly proclaimed, he said, Oh boy. He said, we're going to, we've got no problem. We're going to carve up this little pork chop. We're going to carve this little pork chop. He said it about six times. So when, um, when Patrick teched his son, you in know, the semis. The, yeah. In the semifinals, um, our kids just let loose. And so they just, they called him pork chop for the rest of his life because of that. So, and Mr. Spangler was standing right behind John and I, this was a Dundee crown. And he was ready just to wolf on us as soon as, the, you know, his son got him. Lo and behold, about halfway through the second period, Mr. Spangler wasn't there anymore. He disappeared somewhere in the darkness because, you know, old, oh old, old pork chop was taking his kid to the woodshed. <laughs> These are the antics so, that we grew up yeah, with, though. Yeah, and you're right, exactly right. right. Oh, yeah. my God. So Patrick was just, and he used to, Patrick would wear this backpack every time we had a yeah. grand march. And everyone wanted to know what was in the backpack and there was nothing in the backpack. And he told me he learned this from some all American at Ohio state that told him, if you wear a backpack, everyone will be so consumed with what's in the backpack. They'll, they'll be distracted. And so Patrick used to do these goofy things like that all the time. So he was a character, but boy, was he talented. He was a wow. kid. So there's, there's so many stories that, that I want to hit on, but we're going to, we're going to wrap it up here, but you know, I don't want to, you know, leave anyone slighted. The BBs, Carson BBs, one of my favorites. And Chris oh, yeah. DeVito is one of my best friends. Yeah, uh, he yeah. wrestled with you. And so there's too many stories to hit on. But one thing I have to ask about is you're now the head coach at Montini. What is the Chicago football landscape like in terms of competitiveness on a national scale? Is it right there? You know, I, I think a lot of that has to do with um, position, to be honest with you. You know, um, it's long been kind of a... a you know, an axiom that, you know, upper level schools will uh, recruit uh, running backs and, and skill guys out of the Southern States. And it's something that if you look at, you know, one of the things that I know that you and I both celebrate is that, you know, take wrestling, for example, you know, Illinois has had a, a, an upswing, you know, in the national wrestling season, uh, scene. And, and really the, I, I think the biggest reason for that upswing is because, you know, years ago, 
Um, the summer program, the IKWF, USA Wrestling, all those guys that, that, that work out. I mean, our summer program with the you know creation of the cadet junior and, and, and national, uh, national junior and cadet duels and, you know, Greco do a freestyle. All of these things have, have brought this competition together. Our schools, you know, n- lack of reluctance now. Now schools are getting out of competing. So we're narrowing the gap. You know, mm-hmm. now we haven't seen that pay off yet. In all Americans, I know that's a stat that still drives me crazy. That you know, Pennsylvania, too, and I, yeah, you know, it's and, and it's gonna, and it's going to come because that was also a thing, Ryan. For years, was style. You know, Illinois for many years was a cut and release state. Yeah. You know, and that style was something that you know. I mean, I, I, you know, personally, I can blame Israel Martinez for that because he came, <laughs> he came so good at it, and you know, that was the easiest way was to be able to to outscore your opponent in two out of the three areas. And you're going to win matches. You're going to win state titles. And so top wrestling became non-focused on, you know, in our state. And I've, as you know, looking at the next level, that's the difference is those, those, those college wrestlers, those all Americans and national champions are able to wrestle, you know, hard in all three phases. So I think wrestling has that blueprint football, in my opinion, has got to follow a little bit. Our state association kind of limits us you know i mean there's uh, georgia alabama they have spring football they have year-round things that kids can do now i know that's kind of a crazy thing because it 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 you know i'm, I'm a big proponent of multiple sport athletes but i also am a big proponent that sooner or later you know if you want to have that you know if you want to be a Mike Benefield, you know, if you want to be one of the elite guys, you know, one, a guy that we just had at Montini that's been in the news, real woods. If you want to be one of those guys, you got to have the opportunity to do that. And they do in wrestling, they can wrestle year round in wrestling in football though. It's hard because they don't have that opportunity mm-hmm. to compete year round. And that's why I think football sometimes lacks um, a little bit, especially in those skill, you know, production areas, because our kids just don't get as much work. They're, they're not allowed to, you know, to, 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 to improve their skills year round. Really? That's yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I mean, obviously that KWF is huge, but, and I know that Montini, I mean, you got, how many st- football state titles have you guys racked up now? We've Montini has won six, uh, football titles in our, in our career. We started our first one was in 2004. Got it. So you guys are, are still, and you're still the head coach there. We'd love to see yeah, you back in yeah. wrestling, but yeah. I understand <laughs> it's a, it's a, a time in, um, Time and evolved sport. Yeah. Last question for you, coach, is when you look back on on your career coaching, you know, what's the biggest lesson you take away from just being an educator and a coach for, for 25, 30 years? Well, I think, um, you know, a thing I learned a long time ago from my mentors and the thing I really try to harp on the young men and women that I've coached, you know, over the years is that I think wrestling, you know, to me, I love your, the, the name of your podcast, you know, wrestling change your life. It did for me mm-hmm. and, and how it did was it gave me the tools. It gave me the drive that I applied to all the other areas of my life. You know, I, I never became an elite wrestler, but you know, one of the things that I, I am able to do is any success I've had in anything that I've done professionally, even personally in my personal life is because of that mentality that I carry with me you know, that, 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 that work ethic. And I think, you know, that as a wrestler, you take pride in that. It's, it's almost a, a weird sense of pride. We take pride in doing things the hard way. You know, we don't, we don't take shortcuts as wrestlers and, and even, even, you know, a wrestler who was not an elite wrestler, who wasn't a national champion or wasn't that, you know, 
I can look at a kid, you know, I was fortunate to spend some time around Tony Ramos, you know, um, as, yeah. as he was in our freestyle club and all that. And I see Tony's climb to be a national champion. Well, that applies to Tony Ramos as much as it applies to a, a mediocre guy, you know, on Montini or Glumbard North's team because mm-hmm. they're still trying to get the best out of what they can do. And I think that's what wrestling taught me. And I think that's the number one thing that I try to leave with everyone else is the, is the process, you know, how you become better, how you become happy in life. And I think that's really something that I know I learned from wrestling and I, and I try to take with me and exhibit every, everywhere I go and everything I do. Coach Boo, you are, you're the man, sir. I really appreciate <laughs> this conversation. And I just want to thank you for coming on the show. It's been an thank honor. you. And thanks for all you do for wrestling guys like you are the backbone, you know, of, of what we do here in this state. And, uh, you know, I, I love, I'm a big fan of what you're doing and keep it up. I appreciate it, sir. Thank you. Thank you. And all great things must come to an end. If you want to hear more from the podcast, text wrestle to five, 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 eight, eight, eight. That's wrestle to five, 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 eight, eight, eight. You can also find us on Instagram wrestling, change my life, Twitter, Ryan underscore N underscore Warner, as well as our website, wrestlingchangemylife.com. Take care, y'all.